0: Welcome to the Pen and the Yad. This week's Torah portion is Chaye Sarah. Rabbi Michael Siegel sits down with author Jonathan Eig and talks about how I hear
1: you, but am I hearing you? The power and the blessing of focused listening. Let's talk about listening. I'm listening. Let's talk about hearing each other and what it really means to, to listen in a conversation and what we can learn from that. The portion of Chaye Sarah really focuses attention. On Abraham's efforts to put his affairs in order before he dies. The portion begins with the death of Sarah, and Abraham realizes that his time is coming. And so the first order of business for Abraham is to find a wife for Isaac, because everything hinges, the covenant hinges on Isaac marrying, having children, and hence the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise of God. The catch is is that God does not want Isaac to leave the country. Why that is, we can only intuit from the text. Is Isaac too fragile to leave? Is it too dangerous for him? Why is it dangerous for him and not for Abraham? Well, we could have an entire conversation about that. But it's the story of how a wife is found for Isaac, that really is the the focus of the portion. Abraham sends his most trusted servant. We assume it's Eliezer, but we don't know for sure because the text doesn't tell us. And he says, I want you to go to Haran, which is the place that Abraham and Sarah are from. So he has extended family there. He knows that place. They're connected. But he doesn't tell the servant what to do or say. So along the way to Haran, the servant is thinking to himself and comes up with a criteria. He knows, as was the norm in the ancient world, that the well was the place that young unmarried women would go to gather water for their family. So it's sort of the watering hole, if you will. It's, and it's Tinder. It's the, uh, it's the dating app of the time. I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what Abraham was thinking. Yeah. Precisely. He knew what he was doing. He was a hip guy. Let's not listen quite as carefully. (laughs) (laughs) So the servant goes to the well, and sure enough, there are women coming down. And the criteria is this. He asks each woman for water for himself. The one that offers to water his flocks, that's the one he's going to choose. What's the criteria? What's he looking for? Some rabbis say that He's looking for a strong woman, because if you have camels, it's a lot of water that that, that she's going to have to offer. But is there another idea here? It sounds like the test is kindness, perhaps. But what kind of kindness? It's an interesting issue. What's the hallmark of the home of Abraham and Sarah? The hallmark is rachim; It's welcoming the stranger. The entire story of Hagar, and that was our conversation a couple weeks ago, revolved around the treatment of the stranger. And what we learn about Abraham and Sarah is that they learn from that, and thing that distinguishes their home is the manner in which they welcome the strangers, the angels who come, and the preparations they make. In fact, a chuppah is modeled on the home of Abraham and Sarah, which was open on all sides to welcome people in. So that idea really is carried on. And so the crux of this test that the servant is offering to each of the women is really, as you said, a test of their kindness. And will they carry on the values of the home? You know,
0: it's interesting because we started by talking about listening and um, I can't remember if it was Will Rogers or somebody said, you know, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. Um, And then the question is, how do you meet somebody? How does that stranger go from being a stranger to being someone you know? And I think it's from listening, right? Because you can meet somebody and shake their hand and say, nice to meet you, and they can walk away and still be a stranger. But if you interact with them in a meaningful way and if you show curiosity and if you ask questions and if you listen, then you begin the process of getting to know someone.
1: Right. It's sort of the Dale Carnegie you know how to how to influence people, how to make friends, how to engage people. Yeah, although Dale Carnegie makes it sound like it's um, it's it's an
0: exchange, it's a it's a commercial, it's it's you know you it's want formulaic. something out of it. It's formulaic. Um, yeah, and I would argue that if you're curious and if you're empathetic and if you genuinely want to get to know somebody, then and you're listening, and you show that you care enough to
1: truly listen. That's how, you know, relationships truly begin. And that's a perfect understanding, I think, of this, of this portion, because what's happening here? She doesn't know the, uh, the, the stranger, but who's the person that's going to take the time to not only listen with their ears, but also to listen with their hearts? Who's the person who's going to say, this person doesn't just need water for himself, Needs to water his flocks. So, what we are looking at is a story about heightened listening, empathic listening. And that is then what makes Rebecca a worthy mate for Isaac because she models the values of the home. And it begins with listening. And you think about our society today, just walking down the street, and every person, including me, by the way, has something in their ears. They're listening to someone else, which is already a signal that I'm not listening to you. I don't want to be bothered, right? And
0: how often do you go to lunch with somebody and that person, maybe they're not using it, maybe they're not looking at it, but they just have their phone on the table Guilty as charged. And I think that is a huge problem. And I think it it just sends the message that there are other priorities in this conversation. I think it leads to distraction. I think that it leads to bad listening. Even if you never look at that phone, I think the quality of the listening is compromised. It's one of my real pet peeves. I'll remember that next, next time, time we go to lunch. Watch. I'm going to I'm going to let you know. Gonna, I I'll think that's that's a, that's a that. really
1: interesting issue. That a phone on the table is a signal to the other person that I have other things going on that might be more important than my conversation with you. That's right. It's a barrier. It's a wall.
0: And I do interviews for a living. I go to people's homes. And I ask them to open up and to tell me their, their feelings and to tell me their, their life stories. And I think very hard about these things because I wonder, having a tape recorder on the table is that going to be a barrier? Is that going to be inhibiting to them as in opening up to me? Or is sitting there with a notebook and scribbling and losing eye contact, is that going to be more of a barrier? And I usually prefer the tape recorder because I feel like if I'm, taking, if I'm losing my eye contact to constantly scribble in my notebook, then they're not going to feel a connection with me. Bringing a camera and shooting video while I interview them is a huge barrier to empathy and to understanding so i think about these things a lot and that's why i would certainly never check my phone when i was interviewing somebody if i really wanted to build a connection with them i just have to check my email just give me a moment. Yeah, go ahead <laughs> i'm I sorry think, what I, were you I, saying i was checking my email there well, i was I, I, thinking I, I, about I,
1: even just thinking about checking your email yeah. distracts you though right uh, yeah, so like, we're like Aquaman, you know, where's my phone? Can I really breathe? You know, how am I going to go forward? I think that's a hundred percent correct because we don't listen. How many p, how many times is someone looking at their phone and talk, I'm listening.
0: That's right. And right. we do it with our kids.
1: which our sh- well, our really kids, kills I, me. I, I um, think our kids, especially are the kids g- who
0: don't have phones yet because they're really getting they're
1: getting a raw deal. Yeah, right. exactly. They really have to like make eye contact. And so all of those signals that we send to people. I'm looking at you, I'm listening, I'm not looking over your shoulder, and I show you that I'm listening because I'm noticing something else. Those conversations that we have with you know the most intimate people in our lives where someone says well if that's what you wanted why didn't you just say so it really really speaks to the issue because yes on one hand we should be confident and comfortable to express our needs to another person at the same time it's meaningful to us when someone figures it out when someone does it without asking right if somebody's not just listening but paying attention they might know what you're feeling they
0: might sense it and pick up on it and try to understand it actively as opposed to waiting for you to say, listen, I need you to do this. I feel sad about this. You know, it's when you have, when you are really making that connection, then it works in both directions.
1: I think it does. I think it does. And the use of technology I think has really changed the dynamic of what listening's about because we have a private universe that we have. It's a screen. And I can look at and people are talking and I'm observing other conversations. So I can sort of visit and come back out, which are relationships, but they're not intimate, meaningful, connected relationships, at least as humankind has understood them. Yeah, it's
0: safe. You can you can have an emotional distance. You can turn it off at any time. You can pretend you didn't see something you can stay within your own little universe and not make connections
1: if you don't want to. And that's very... um, And so how does that then apply when I'm actually talking to someone face-to-face? Because am I applying the same mannerisms that I'm displaying on my phone to the other person? That's right. In other words, I'm going to leave this conversation. I've had enough. Oh, I'm going to opt out before you ask me something. That's right. And, And so I think that this all sort of impacts... Communication and our listening. And on the one hand, we're more connected, and on the other hand, we're less connected. And so here's an ancient story about what does it mean to be an empathic, thoughtful listener? And how does that apply to us today? When I'm talking to you or you're talking to me, if I'm thinking about something else, if I'm wondering what my phone in front of me is holding, what secrets it holds for me or interesting things that I want to look at, then what happened to my conversation with you? And certainly I'm not going to take the time to think beyond this conversation. Right. I think we have to make an extra
0: effort these days. I'm not sure what the, uh, what we can learn from, from this story. I hope that there's something that we're going we're to wrap it up by telling me what I can learn from this because we have to work harder these days. It is easier than ever to let it slip away. It's easier than ever not to call or, or not to look somebody in the eye because we can just send a text and we are, we're falling into that trap of convenience and losing the, the human connection.
1: Well, let's, let's try this idea. Not every person is going to invite a stranger into their home. That's the society in which we live. That's a big ask. However, how am I welcoming in a conversation? What signals am I sending to another person when I'm sitting across the table from them that tells them that I am interested in what they are saying and that I value the time that we have? That's an interesting take on what does Rahim mean today. Could we say that the mitzvah of Rahim is giving someone your full attention? That's welcoming.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I do um, workshops sometimes on interviewing techniques and I always tell them it's not interviewing, it's listening. Uh Are you prepared for your interview? Have you done your research so that you know something about this person so that you don't have to ask the questions that you could have gotten by looking them up on Wikipedia? Are you making eye contact? Are you listening so that you don't just go down your list of questions but you respond to something that someone previously said? Are you asking about them or are you using this as an opportunity to talk about yourself? Mm -hmm. These are all things that I think apply to our relations. Um, one of my big pet peeves is when you're, when somebody instantly looks for the opportunity to turn the conversation back to themselves. <laughs> and the, uh, Now back to me. Right. right. Oh, I know how you what you're saying. Let me tell you the story of what happened to me. Yeah. Right. As opposed to saying, wow, how did you feel when that happened? Yeah. Right.
1: Well, we got a lot to think about here, don't we? <laughs> we do. Well, I'm glad we had the conversation and, uh, I heard you. I'm,
0: I, I appreciate all you had to say. And I will think about it and listen and, uh, tried to do better that was corny ending
1: it was terrible (laughs) thanks